Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited, so you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you would like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Yeet bitch saying yeet. What's up, Chris? That's the, I believe that's the Credence, Credence Clearwater song. Sorry, I was already behind schedule. I'm on a deadline. There he is. The room where he cannot talk tonight. Room where himself. Chris, how you doing, Chris? Welcome to the show. It's official. We are all go for the show. How y'all doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good under a, a tight deadline for this video presentation for a school that needs to get finished. I'll be very happy when it's done. I can get back to uh, some personal projects that I have been toiling away on i had to put them on the shelf to make the butter you know what i'm saying you gotta make the butter i'm glad you're peachy chris i'm glad you are peachy uh, i have a interesting idea for tonight's show you'll see first i just want to update you and let you know that uh some things are coming down the pike couple of things are coming down the pike. I have some, I guess, a, a pizza punk interviews. I don't really know what kind of interviews they are. They're, I guess you'd call them pizza punk interviews. They're coming. Uh, if you're a fan of Return of Living Dead 3 or Reanimator, you're really, really going to enjoy these episodes. Additionally, you may or may not have seen, uh, I did the first episode of the Stooges show with my friend Nick. Shout out to Nick. Nick was really great. I don't know about you guys. I thought Nick crushed it in his co-host position. Nick knows way more about Iggy Pop and the Stooges than I do. I have a pretty good work and knowledge of them, but he really knows his, his mamma jam. What's up, uh, Javis? How are you? Javis Bickle. Um... Yeah, Nick's the man when it comes to that. So he, we're going to do a second episode, uh, probably not next week, the week after that, something like that. Whoa, look who it is, guys. It's Peter. We haven't seen him in a while. Peter, how are you, my friend? I hope you're well. Hope hope life has been treating you well. Nice to, nice of you to join us live. Um, always, always good to see you. Hey, what's up, Parmy? Have I seen... Uh, Parmi wants to know if I have seen the Robo documentary, and the answer is no. I definitely want to check it out. I remember when that thing was being put together. I know some of the people in it. I 
this weird hair situation going on. Let me fix my hair. There we go. It's better. Um, yeah, uh, I definitely want to see it. Is it out? Is it on VOD yet? Uh, don't know. I don't know. Let me know. Um, yeah, dude. So nice to see Peter, man. We missed you, Pete. We missed you. Um, so yeah, so the Stooges show is not going to be weekly. I don't think maybe it's bi-weekly. We're still figuring that out. Keep your eyes peeled for the Stooges show. It's just called Stooges Talking Iggy search engine optimized Stooges Talking Iggy, you know, um, we're the Stooges and we're talking Iggy and the Stooges. So check out that first episode. It's already on the channel. Um, what else can I tell you? What else, how else can I have to, I gotta tell you the comment sections have been really fun, funny on all the videos. Ah, Peter says he got locked out of his Facebook. I'm so sorry to hear that, Pete. I hope the situation has resolved itself. Um, the YouTube comment sections are hilarious on... <laughs> Some of these videos, man, like I, I took some screenshots. If you're on the Lodi Facebook page, go check it out. They are hilarious. It's just like guys who just like just, you know, and it's so funny because only us nerds would be like, <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know that 12 hits from hell came after static age. <laughs> you know, like we're the nerds, <laughs> but it's just funny because this guy's like, you know, trying to be all morally superior about stuff or whatever, like knowledge superior about stuff and doesn't know what he's talking about. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I read every single comment or I try to at least. I don't know if I hit every single comment. I try to read every single comment on these videos. And I try to comment on the comments because I'm trying to keep the engine going. The algorithms, the almighty algorithms, they need they need pumping. Pumping and dumping. So, with that said, I I don't think I have any new business uh, to, except for one thing. I want to give a shout out to John Voice of Doom. And I guess it'll be one of two shout outs, really. I want to give a shout out to John Voice of Doom, who blew my mind today when he posts and this is why i love our freaking group so much because i feel like yeah we get a lot of the bs filler that you see in every other you know misfits nerd fan group but like like all the memes and stuff but like like we get these like real interesting chunks and tidbits and uh john voice of doom posted the most awesome renditions of misfit songs that i have heard in a really really long time i was like whoa whoa i mean just absolutely stellar now because i am recording this for a podcast in addition to the youtube show in addition to one other thing uh, I'm going to have to cut it out. So if you are listening to the podcast version of this in the future, I'm sorry, you'll just have to seek it out. They're called orange hell, orange hell. Um, I'm trying to decide what I should do. All right. First, first and foremost, before we get to orange hell, cause we're going to, we're going to take a quick look at this. So awesome. 
first we have some business to attend to. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Make it from Florida! 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 Yeah! Guys, hold on. The I had a red gel that was on my light, my backlight behind me, and it fell off. And I can't do the show without the gel. Hold on a second. Just a moment. Ah, there we go. Brilliant! Isn't it so much better with the with the red gel? Hey, what's up, Ballad of the Broken? I did not get a haircut. Well, I kind of did. You know what my wife does? My wife shaves My wife shaves around the, the side of my head like this. Like She goes all the way around. She leaves the top, and it's been slowly turning into a devil lock. I didn't even mean for it to happen. It just sort of has been happening, and I like it, so I left it. But um, I just like, I don't know, just try and listen. It's so nice to not work in, in the office. You know what I mean? Yo, we got Paulie Seacrest in the house, man. This dude watches all the vids and comments, too. What's up, Paul? How are you? Are you on your shift right now for work? What's going on? Hope you're well. Um, That ballad says, that's what I do. Always keep the sides short and then too long. It's a, it is a classic. It's a classic, man. And usually I hide it because it looks terrible. I hide it. Well, it looks terrible now, but I hide it under. Oh, God. What's going on here? I hide it um, underneath my hat. <sighs> Having a bad hair day, man. You know, you go live on the internet. You want your hair to look nice. Oh, my God. This is so bad. I feel terrible about this. Pulling out a classic. <clears throat> Sorry. All right. Now, now, now we're done with this. Okay. Pulled out a classic. The video business media hat. You can't go wrong. Yeah, Paul Paul is doing the grind right now at work. Cool, man. Glad you can join us. Thank you. What's up, Word? How you doing? Um, yes, it is kind of a reference. And it is, I you know, if you don't know what Stuck in Lodi is, the, what I know Stuck in Lodi be, this is going to be a really fun episode because you're in for such a surprise. Such a surprise tonight. I've been wanting to do this episode for a while. And then, you know, Joe was texting me. He was like, here's some ideas for episodes. And in it was Stuck from Lodi. Stuck in Lodi. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's time to pull out Stuck in Lodi. But. Ballad says, for your logo, did you miss Horror Business back cover? Yeah, yes, yes, that is, and that's what's on my hat. This hat is the original video business media. Yes, that is what I used, 100%. Mixed the skulls from Halloween and the logo from Horror Business, which has always kind of been my logo. You know, um, video business looks really cool in the logo form. I think you can kind of see it. You can see it on my hat. But when you spell it in plain print, it does not look that great. Yeah, that's true. Doyle never, Mike says, Doyle never has had a bad hair day. I would agree. I would agree. 
but listen, it's time for us to get down to business here. And the before we can even get to Orange Hell, well, let's do let's give a shout out to our Patreons. I promised my Patreons. And what is the Patreon? You can check that out for yourself in the description. I'm not going to talk about it right here. We'll talk about it a little bit later into the show. But I need to shout out my Patreons because that's what you do when you get Patreons. So I'm shouting out. These are the first Patreons, okay? Here they are. Starting off, we got Kevin45, a.k.a. Kevin Vonsper. Uh, salute you, man. We have Robbie Peterson. We have Dr. Airlift. We have Cody Crypt. We got Honolulu Babylon. We got Rue Morg and John Voice of Doom. We have Ratty. We have Adam Harmless. And we have Adam all Patreons, and I just want to shout you out and thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support because we are trying to take things to the next level. I have to tell you, I am already upgrading the setup we are going to. I am going buying this component that I'm going to use to connect my Blackmagic Cinema camera, and I am hoping that I will have upgraded the camera quality, couple of couple of bells and whistles in the works to up the quality of the show of which I have been putting up for very putting off for a very long time. It's time to take things to the next level. So we're in the process of doing that uh, and might be getting a little green screen action. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I can make it work or not. Uh, so I wanted to shout, shout out my Patreons. Thank you so much for your support. And I, I promised you a, 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 I don't know what I called it in the thing, but here is the shout out. Hold on. Wait, it is. We're going to do it. Uh, I don't know if we do this every week, but yeah. Ready? Oh, you got to turn this up. Here it is. There it is. That's the that's the the shout out, the Patreon shout out. Uh, yeah, dude, I want to do some green screen stuff, like kind of like the way that gamers do. Imagine like when we go to like clips of things and stuff, and then it's just like I'm talking, and then the shit is behind me. I think it would be really great. What's up, Josh? Who's Josh? Blah ha ha. Do I know you, Josh? Ballad, what kind of mic do you use? It's actually pretty good quality. This is a Deity S2 shotgun mic. I am not upgrading the mic because the mic is actually good. It's a good shotgun mic. It's what I use for production sound when I do um, film and video work. And I have a, a Premix 3. So the, the audio side of things, I'm actually very pleased with. it. But what I want to upgrade is uh, I'm using this tiny little webcam. I want to fix that up if I can. And just a couple other things, lighting things. I just want to make things better. Uh, so I don't know, just trying to up the game a little bit, if it were, if 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 I can. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it works. Um, I, I think I'm going to have to finally uh, bite the bullet after a year of doing this. I'm going to upgrade my account to a premium account so that I can stream to both YouTube and Facebook at the same time. Uh, in addition to LinkedIn and Twitter and all a bunch of places. We'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, 
Paul says, I'm trying to get my little brother Josh to post this pic of him in Erie. He lives by him and ran to him four times. He's in the group. Is this Josh below, Paul? Tell us of when the Misfits played with the Beastie Boys. What was that lineup? Well, it was the Misfits and the Beastie Boys. And uh, there was a third. And I think Todd Swalla drummed for that for that show, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I never hear any issues with audio. Visually, a green screen would be perfect. Setting in the background aesthetically. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if it will. You know, the other problem is bandwidth. I'm doing this off of Wi-Fi. The show's off, done off of Wi-Fi. And I, I, that's the other thing. I want to get a hard line into my computer so that way we never have bandwidth issues ever again. Neither here nor there. I want to move on because I want to stay focused on the show. So I am going to share my screen and I want to talk about this thing. Again, John Voice of Doom just crushed it with this recommendation. He posts in this group. They're called Orange Hell. Here, I'm going to share my screen real quick. We want a Chrome tab, share audio, and it's going to be Music Funeral Party. I'm so afraid that this, I hope that we don't get busted. I really want to play some music. I hope we don't get busted. I'm going to just play it. So look, they've got a couple here. Check this out. This is so cool. Now, I'm a big I'm a big fan of any cover that really goes outside. So first of all, check out this Bandcamp no matter what. It's called the Funeral Party Bandcamp, right? Just really stellar. Really 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 stellar. Oh, thank you, Jarvis. You Javis, you think that looks cool? Um Here you go. So check this out. This is the funeralpartybandcamp.com. Please check this out. Uh, I just think they're all, I think they are so awesome what they're doing. And then there's this mysterious band. It's a they're mysterious, probably members of other bands on the funeral party. And they do, they do this project called Orange Hell. Look at the album work. Can you see it? Why can't, why isn't it showing up? That's weird. Huh. That is bizarre. Oh, I see. Okay. I'm going to have to just click on that. That's the problem. That's the issue. Now, yeah, now you can see it. Look at this. Look at how pretty that is. I love that, man. It's just so, it's so invocative, invocative, invocative of the misfits and their aesthetic and, and style. Check this one out. This is three more hits from dot, dot, dot. Look at that. You can tell that's some old Halloween image that they like sort of really amped up. They they jumped up the contrast. Just gorgeous. Now, these came out and it kills me because this is something I would throw down money for in a second. These uh, this one, maybe it was this one. This came out on. Yeah, look at that. Limited edition seven inch lathe cut. Look at that, man. And they only did 30 of them or something. So now, what do they sound like? What do they sound like? Well, is anybody a fan of the Ravenettes? They are one of my all-time favorite bands. I've talked about how I love the Misfits. I love me some Beatles. I love the Stooges. I love Iggy Pop. I love the Pixies. I never talk about my Pixies fandom on here, but I'm a huge... I could do a podcast about the Pixies just the way that I do a podcast about the the, the Stooges or, or the Misfits and whatnot. That's how big of a fan I am of the Pixies. Um, I love, embarrassingly, I love Sublime. 
<laughs> Yo, Sublime is a really great band, and I'm thinking about doing a long-form video about them uh, in, in defense of Sublime. And, you know, there's, there's a few things that have not aged very well and are super cringe and just sort of like, Ugh! but like, man, I love Sublime so much. Um, another one of the bands that I worship uh, are the, the, the Ravenettes. And I've seen the Ravenettes uh, seven or eight, nine times now. Um, I, I love, I love them, man. I, those are albums I can listen to top to bottom, especially Lust, 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 Pretty in Black, friggin' um, uh, Chain Gang of Love is phenomenal, Raven in the Grave. Uh, now, the, the musical style is, ah, Peter, I saw, I saw Big Black open for the Stooges, actually. Um, whoa, Javis wants me to do a Pixie show? Don't. Don't you dare. Don't you dare push me. Yeah, Ballad, I agree. Ballad thinks the cover art is cool. Um, Don't you dare push me because I will do a Pixies episode. I will just do a whole salute to the Pixies. But point is, is I love me some Ravenettes. Who are the Ravenettes? The Ravenettes, it's a guy and a girl. Soon and Sharon. Soon Wagner and Sharon Fu. And they're from, they're Danish, I think. They're Danish or Swedish, right? He was in a band called something Janet. Uh, Damn it, Janet, or Panic Up Janet. And they got together and they started to, I did Zambot. Zambot's like you never told us the Joey Santiago story. I sure did, and I clipped it, so it'll be coming up. You know what? Zambot, just for you, that's going to be the next video that I drop. You'll hear my embarrassing story. Um, yeah, so the Ravenettes, guy and a girl singing in unison, and it's this super droning, drone, it's like this drone music. I can't describe it. It's like, it's the Pixies meets the Velvet Underground via Shoegaze. That's a terrible description, actually, but I freaking Love, 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 love the Ravenettes. And this, Orange Hell, is the Ravenettes if they were covering the picks, uh, the Misfits. And I literally, my jaw hit the ground. And so, again, my second shout-out is to John Voice of Doom for totally turning me on to this supremely awesome band, Orange Hell, who I really need to seek out and see if I can get them on the show because they just rock. So let's listen to a little orange hell. And again, if you're listening on the podcast, you're not going to be able to hear this, unfortunately. But uh, I suggest that you seek it out. I'll make sure to cut this out, cut this part out. Um, let's listen to Angel Fuck first. Ready? Hopefully you guys can hear this. You should be able to hear it. All right. You know what? We can't. Let's not waste any more time on this. But check them out. That's orange hell. Oh. That's orange hell. Uh, another thing, another thing of note, Eric Corpse did something really cool. He made this thing called Initium AD, which we're going to kind of deep dive on along with Initium when I do that listen, listen, along, listen along, music reaction, listen along thing. We perform London Dungeon. We perform at Salem Dungeon. Also, which city USA? I love that. Chris, can you... Post. I don't know if you're in the Facebook group. Please post those in the Facebook group. Really like that a lot. Um, 
Okay. What else before we start the activity? Is there anything else I want to cover? We did the Patreon thing, partially. We did the intro. We did that and that. Okay. So before we launch in to our main event here for today's episode, which I'm really excited for because I haven't read it in so long. It's been a very, very long time since I read it. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Patreon. Oh my God, he's brought up the Patreon one more time. Yeah, motherfucker, I did. I'm going to bring it up one more time. So I've started a Patreon. Um, instead of like... taking 10 minutes to stutter about it, I've made a video. The video says everything that I would want to say succinctly in three minutes. So if you have to go take a pee break, go take a pee break now while I play my little video. And that's all I'm going to say about the Patreon during the episode. So check out, this is the Patreon. I'm making videos. I'm making some videos that are more elevated than say these videos. These are talking videos. I'm doing scripted videos that uh, only come out through a release window. So for instance, there's a a second Sam Hain listening party video that's already up on the channel and it won't drop covered with ads for the next 20 something days. If you're in the Patreon, you can all, and you're at a certain tier, there's two tiers, the YouTube casualty or whatever, you can already hear the listening party. So it's already been listened to. The, the party has been enjoyed. So I'm gonna play this now. And then I'm going to shut up about the Patreon because I want to keep it concise, right? Let's keep it concise. So here we go. Here's my little spiel about the Patreon. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it gonna be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. So right now, I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers, and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for (laughs) $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like 
a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind the scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents. Okay, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm done. Not going to say anything more. Boom. Patreon.com backslash from us. Check it out. All right. What is Stuck in Lodi? Stuck in Lodi is a Credence Clearwater CCR song. I can't say that. Say that 10 times fast. Credence Clearwater Revival song. There's a song. It's called Stuck in Lodi. I guess it's about Lodi, New Jersey. I'll be honest. I'm not familiar with the song. However, I am familiar with the article by John DeRosa. Back in 2005, this a musician who grew up in Lodi, New Jersey, wrote an article for Pitchfork.com. People know Pitchfork. Pitchfork is like, you know, like hipster central magazine now. But, you know, it's just been, you know. Like the Brooklyn Vegan before the Brooklyn Vegan was the Brooklyn Vegan. It was, you know, it was all about pitchfork. And, you know, they've kind of like become, they're, they're, you know, they're kind of considered pretentious maybe. It might be the, you know, a little pretentious. I don't know. But they published this really, really cool article from a, I don't know if he's not a Lodi native, but he lived and spent a lot of time in Lodi. And it is a phenomenal read if you have never read the article, it's 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 super great. And on top of which, you know, it's funny as I started like just sort of grazing over it, trying to remember certain little things about it. I became super enamored with the idea of potentially recording um a voiceover using the, the article and turning it into a long form video. Uh, in, in what way? I don't know. I don't know. But I, so for what I'm about to do is something I've never done on the show before, kind of. Uh, it's an extension of what we did last summer. For those of you who were here last summer, where I was reading I was reading the ugly things Jerry only article and I kept kind of screwing up and I like I would take it back and and read it again because I knew that I was going to be using it for something else. So this time what we're doing what today's show is it's not just stuck in Lodi it's stuck in Lodi part 1 where I am going to basically record a live voiceover. So I'm not going to be breaking away from the text. My focus will be on reading the text and we'll talk about it afterwards when I'm done. But basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the article. When I'm done reading through the article, we will 
do a discussion. But as you know, what else? What, I, what we only do here on the show before Jeff can start doing the thing, he's got to talk about before the, the thing before the thing. And what's the thing before the thing? I got to talk about my history or my experience or whatever, the backstory of my relationship with this article and its author, which is very brief. I had correspondence at the very beginning. So for some of you may know, and some of you do not know, I have been actively in the process on and off over the last 11 years, been trying to make a, a documentary about the misfits. Uh, it started the, 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 the traces of this started in 2009. If you go back to our origin episode, you can hear me talk about some of that journey in painstaking detail, but it really started in 2009, late 2009. And I started, my first interview was with Mr. Jim in March 10th, 2010. And I kept the project completely off the internet for six years for obvious reasons. But I had crossed paths with all sorts of people. And John, who wrote this article, Stuck in Lodi, was one of them. And he was an early one. And it's amazing as I reread through our our email correspondence, which I am not going to post here. And I'm not going to explicitly post, but I will just share a few things because I want to respect um, some of John's privacy. Um, John, John's in a band. He was in a band. I forget their name. It's really hard name to pronounce. They did a cover of Am I Demon, a really slow down version. It's pretty cool. But it's interesting to read back through these emails that are 11 years old. I don't delete emails ever. I have saved every email from my, my Gmail account since 2009, which is when I established my current main lifeline account. So my entire life is in that, that Gmail, like all the, you know, all, all, all my correspondences with, with various people from uh, so many people that, and what's interesting is for every person that I spoke to, there was a person who was equally mind-boggling and cool that I never got to meet in real life, but I got to kind of correspond a little bit with through Gmail. All of that is saved. I saved all of it, uh, including my correspondence with Dun 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 Diane De Piazza. That's right, folks. I briefly had a correspondence with Diane De Piazza and Jimmy Battle. <gasps> yes, and. Both of those correspondences will be revealed in the documentary. They came from Lodi. If it ever comes out in the future, <laughs> it will. It will in some way, shape, or form. But, um, yeah. Uh, one, one. This is these comments are important. Chris Spahn says Pitchfork is super pretentious. It is. It is. It is. And Ballad says they are read the Pitchfork review for Walk Among Us. I'll check that out. Uh, and cardigans are cool. Says Pitchfork went from insufferable, overly critical, bearded hipster mode to insufferable, overpraising, shitty pop music mode. I think that's a pretty good appraisal of the situation. So in any case, I don't remember how I got in touch with John, who wrote this article that we're going to read. 
but he had written this pretty extensive article and we're going to learn about the background of that article right now via my course selective correspondence. Okay. So I wrote John at some point and he responded to me April 19th, 2010 at 3:20 PM. He responded. His band was called, uh, Artica, but it was with two A's. It was like, this is how you spell, spell his name, his band's name. Artica. Did I spell it wrong already? Let's see. I think I just spelled it wrong. Wow. I really suck. I suck today. It's A-A-R-K-T-I. I don't know why this is so important to me. That's his band. That's what they're called. So that's the name of the band. And they do a cover of Am I Demon. It's pretty cool. In any case. This was some of John's correspondence with me back. Hey, Jeff, would love to hear more about this was 11 years ago. Wow. Oh, my God. This was 11 years ago last month. Hey, Jeff, would love to hear more about your film. And of course, we'll be glad to offer any insight I can. Uh, the book I had been working on was very close to coming to fruition. My goal from the start was to do an authorized biography with Glenn's help and myself as a co-writer. I had Glenn and his people interested in participating and a press, uh, a, a book, book publisher, who I'm not going to name here, uh, was also on board to publish. However, um, the situation did not work out with Glenn. It ended up kind of falling apart. Glenn wanted more of a coffee table book in the realm uh, of, of another style of book that was kind of like Hank Williams' biography that was put out by this publisher. However, the publisher didn't feel uh, as though it would be financially viable to produce something like that. And what a bunch of idiots, because look at how wrong they turned out to be. Now, now this all... All of this stuff that he's talking about happened five years prior in about 2005, I want to say. A lot of, there have been a lot of projects, biography projects surrounding Danzig over the years. There was a documentary called Legacy of Brutality that never came out. Um, there, uh, there was a bunch of stuff. There was a bunch of stuff. This was one of them. Um he said, in any event, once I lost that momentum, it never really manifested. However, I'm glad to see you're working on something. Let me know how I can help. I responded. I'm asking. I responded by asking him questions about how the article related to the book that he was planning to write or if the book was completely separate and how long ago was this? And it was a real shame that it never manifested. Um. And he responded, he was very, he was very, very nice guy who was very generous with his time uh, and very just, I don't know, he, I, I think maybe, you know, it was the same thing with, with other people who I've been involved with, with this, this thing where they did not break through, but they wanted to see somebody else succeed. And I think John really wanted to see or was, you know, very generous with his time because he wanted to kind of see how far it could go. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm making maybe I'm embellishing that a little bit. Um, I don't want to speak for John. It's not my place. Here's what John responded to me last night. 
the so the way that the article was related to his 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 book his Glenn Danzig biography was as is as follows. The article ended up being the pitch. He puts that in quotes for the book, meaning, and this was a response. He responded four days later. This was April 20th, 2010. He said, the article ended up being a pitch for the book, meaning it gave me something to show the publishers and Glenn's people. So they knew I was serious and not one of the many people over the years who expressed interest to do a bio with no groundwork laid. So he was establishing his credibility with this brilliantly written article and it is brilliant and we're going to read it i'm so excited to read this again haven't read this in a very long time he said um the article was tight enough that it generated a lot of interest at the time in the misfits danzig community remember he's talking about in 2005 where people kind of came out of the woodwork to tell me stories about the band like I said, despite everything, I just couldn't get full support. Uh, and then he goes on to explain why it didn't particularly work out with Glenn. And it just didn't work out. That's all I will say about it, because it's not my business. And I don't want to um, perhaps, you know, it's fun to share some stuff, but I don't want to overshare stuff that's none of my business. Um, but suffice to say, it didn't work out with Glenn. They, they could not figure things out. Um, the one thing that I will say is that he wanted, Glenn wanted th there to be no other interviews except for him. He wanted to be the de facto interviewee and, and that's it. Like nobody else can be interviewed. And that would have created some, I mean, what do you think that would create? I, I don't have to tell you what, what that would create. And um, it was, he's, and, and let's just put it this way. Uh, another, another sentence written in this email is an interesting book requires many sources and views. This all happened around, 2005 it was the year after the article ran if you could tell from the pitch pitchforking so it actually was 2006 so it didn't work out it didn't work out with um glenn and what's kind of funny is that what he tried to do with the book is literally in the next decade over casually over the decade because i took a long break for about six years even longer than that, really. I, I don't know how to qualify my sabbatical from this project. But he, I literally would go on to do what he said needed to be done. But I didn't take what he was telling me as advice at that time. I just wanted to do it that way. I was just hitting the people that were most accessible to me. You know what I mean? And so there were so many people that were willing to be, that were so generous with their, with their time and willing to talk. And it was, you know, I was very optimistic. This was at the very beginning. I'd only done two or three interviews, but that's not what I said here. This is what I said to him. I said, 
wow I would say that is quite the predicament, and I'm referring to what he had told me that I did not reveal here because, again, I want to respect his privacy. He says, I think in the end, I said, I think in the end you made the right decision. How many interviews did you manage to conduct? If you think you might know of anyone else who might be interested in this, please let me know. I wrote, I do not want to rewrite history. I just want to talk to as many people who were there and get as many interviews as possible. And I only want to talk about 1977 to 1983, nothing after none of the 1995 stuff. And then I'm asking him like, are you familiar with the whole band's history? Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. He responds uh, that he on that. He honestly didn't proceed with any official interviews aside from several that he had done for the article. One of those interviews that he did for the article was Steve Zing. Um, he says, again, I'm being selective with what is written in this email. He says, he talks about how his perspective comes from having lived, and this is very important for the article, his perspective comes from having lived in Lodi and having family there understanding the kind of place that it is and being entirely Italian. How unique Glenn was to do something so out of the norm there. And, you know, he says that Glenn, that Danzig in general, I don't think he's talking about Glenn, I think he's talking about Danzig as, you know, the misfit Samhain and Danzig and Glenn Danzig has kind of just been a part of his life in a variety of different ways. Um. He asks, he asks me, how far along are you in planning of this? Is this just an idea right now? Do you have any funding and contacts and equipment? Do you plan to get Glenn involved? If so, do you have his management contacts, et cetera? And I responded, this is how I responded. I said, um, uh, this is where I'm at. I said, uh, this has been a year in the making. I don't know if that's true. I'll be honest, I don't remember. Uh, it might have been less than a year in the making. He said, I said, this has been a year in the making. Maybe I, maybe I did. Maybe I had. Again, I'm trying to remember a year. I, I'm trying to remember 12 years ago, but from the mindset of 11 years ago. It's kind of funny because I ask people all the time. Like, I ask people to remember shit from like 40 years ago. I'm like, remember it. Remember it. I said, why don't you remember it? You know, like I'm such an asshole. But it's like, I can't even remember stuff from 10, 11 years ago. So it's like, <laughs> it's just funny. I'm just always, I try to be, I generally try to be more sensitive and ginger towards people's memories because, you know, people just don't do or don't remember stuff. Um, Raphael asks, Jeff, have you ever heard about Morning Noise? They are... From legendary Lodi, New Jersey, band members with eventually linked to Sam. Yeah, of course I know Morning Noise. Uh, several members of Morning Noise are in my documentary. Tommy from Morning Noise is in my documentary, and Steve Zing is in my documentary. Um, so, yeah, I know. I know some Morning Noise peeps. In any case... This is what I said. I said, this is where I'm at. This has been a year in the making. I said, I already have interviews in the can. That was true. And it included one misfit, which was uh, Mr. Jim, who was my first interview. Um, I told him, uh, I have equipment. I need to conduct the interviews, although I could always use better. 
which is true. You could always use better. I said, everything is in HD though, so it looks great. I have more than 47 contacts. I don't, I don't know, I probably pulled that number out of my ass, I don't know. I said, I don't have funding, which was true. All expenses are coming from my own pocket, also true. Uh, I said that I wanna apply for funding. Um, and then I talk about how I, uh, a promoter that I knew at CBGB's, I guess maybe that would have been Kip at the time. That's the only guy I can think of. He was a promoter at CBGB's who wants me to help put on a rock show fundraiser. I, <laughs> I don't remember that. Uh, this is true. I contact, coordinate, interview, shoot, and schedule everything. I have one assistant that I use to monitor sound, which is a terrible idea. I eventually didn't need an assistant. I just put the cans on the, the headphones and I would monitor the sound myself. Yeah, that's a, I would do everything myself. Just need one guy, right? Um, and, I, and I wrote, and another DP who I will use for, for some of the bigger interviews I have lined up later this month. I used to have two other guys come with me or one other guy come with me because I wanted to look more important than I was. You know, when I would respond to emails, I would always respond to emails with we instead of I. Whenever you respond to an email and you say we, you sound f like way better than you sound bigger. You sound more official when you say we like who is this we the royal we. <laughs> um, and then I said, when the time is right, I hope to bring on a second producer. I also write, I plan to get Glenn involved. <laughs> um, I, I said he will be the last I contact. That's true. I really was thought at that time, this was before the before time. I know that that's an impossibility now, but at the time, I, I know it's an impossibility now for the, all the reasons that are in this email that I had entirely forgotten that I did not read to you because it's not my business, but that I had entirely forgotten. That's why. Glenn will never be in my documentary. Um, but at the time I thought I'm going to interview every single person and Glenn is going to be the last guy I ask and show him all the interviews I got. And that once he sees that I have all these interviews, he's going to be interested. And of course, I I was oblivious to what, whatever, n not for me to say. I said I had access to his contact info, which might have been true, might have not been true. In April 2010, I don't think that was true. Later on, uh, kind of had one was one one removed away from Danzig in a matter of speaking. I guess a little bit, but not like I don't know. Um, he. He, and then he starts telling me about how, how I can get in touch with Glenn and telling me about some of the ins and outs of dealing with Glenn. And he says, you can still put together an interesting story without him. Advice that I would not really take to heart for years. I waited years before I really reconsidered it. And I, when I reconsidered it, I wasn't thinking about him. I came to the realization on my own. But he says, but beware of people who, one, want to perpetuate urban legends, which is exactly the opposite of what I want. Of course I want the urban legends. 
you know what the first thing I'm going to have at the beginning of my documentary? It's going to say this film is based on a true story. So that way, whatever is in my documentary, no matter how accurate or inaccurate the information, it's just going to be like this documentary is based on a true story. That's what I'm going to do. Totally inspired by Return of the Living Dead, by the way. Um, he said, two, um, beware of people who exaggerate or elaborate the truth. And he says that we Italians tend to do that. And three, um, beware of people who want to be documented as connected to the band, but in actuality didn't play a major or minor role in anything. And he says, that's kind of why I went the route I did with the Pitchfork article. The people I spoke to couldn't give a shit about fame or Danzig or anything. They are just doing their own thing, not star fucking anything, you know? And um, that's really the, the gist of my correspondence with him. And again, super nice guy. Stoker, you must have missed it. I have contacted Diane Di Piazza, and she did respond to me. Um, she wrote me a, a a nice email response, and that response would be revealed in my documentary as it was written to me. I've also been in contact, as I said, with Jimmy Battle from Misfit Central, that guy. Um. Yeah, I like the zombies guy. He sounds really great. Glenn won't be in your documentary. <laughs> Glenn, no. You know what? It's better if Glenn's not in the documentary. You know, it's better if Jerry's not in the documentary. I would like to get Doyle in the documentary, but I don't think that's possible right now. Uh, man, that's really nice of you to say, Raphael. I don't know. <laughs> Once upon a time in Lodi. A Lodi time ago. Oh, you guys with the puns. You guys are punny. So that is the backstory behind the article. So now what we're going to do is I'm going to read through the whole article uninterrupted. Okay. I'm not going to look at anything but stuck in Lodi once that's done. And again, I'm not just reading it for you guys. You guys are watching me record it live as a voiceover for what I'm hoping is going to be a really, really stellar Patreon video. Okay? So, we'll see. Why Doyle but not Jerry or Glenn? Because uh, that's such a long question that I'm not going to answer right now. I'm so sorry, AM. But I appreciate the question. It's it's a it's a it's a long story, but I if if anybody, if I could get if I did have the ability to get Doyle, I would totally love to get Doyle. But I think Glenn and Jerry, if like, let's say I had my druthers and let's say that I could get to a place where I can get all these people. I think I at this point, like after coming to this realization, I think I would leave Glenn and Jerry out. And I would do so. I mean, I already kind of did it. I did it with the 1979 thing, right? I already told some of the story with Glenn and Jerry. Now I'm going to tell the same story without them. And it's going to be a completely different kind of story. It's going to be harder to tell. It's not so easy when you don't have the two guys giving you the two polished answers. Because that's what they are. They're manicured, polished answers that are repeated over and over again. And not the 
the interesting different shades and points of views of people who were there but remember things differently slightly steve zing is an awesome guy and I have not had much, I've had some interaction with, with Erie, but never in real life, so I can't speak to him, but I've heard good things. Um, Jeff, are you familiar with Don Argot's ditched plans for a Danzig Doc? Dan yes! Yes, 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 yes. Was that the name of the guy? Yeah, Jeff, I was just talking about Legacy of Brutality. Uh, there must have been, there was not another documentary besides A Legacy of Brutality too, and I spoke with that filmmaker over the phone. Okay? Um, that's the name of the guy. His name was Don Argot, and there was some article about it too. I remember being so stoked way before I ever thought about doing my own documentary. I was stoked to hear that there was a documentary called Legacy of Brutality, and it just never... It never came out <laughs> filmed in 3d. That's right. Personally, I've always thought Glenn feels the need to fully trust someone. And usually someone who's been around. Yeah. I mean, that's, isn't that his relationship with Steve a little bit, you know, uh, just came. So I may have missed something, but yeah, it is more. Yeah. AM. That's a good way to put it. It's more from the perspective of the other members. Why? Because I could talk to the other members and the other members wanted to talk to me and told me stuff. And um, I'm thinking about doing something really controversial with it um, in order to need some connective tissue. Um, Don Argot made Rock of Sc Rock School and a doc on the singer from Pentagram. I, You know, I think I might have talked with Don over the phone about the Danzig Legacy of Brutality documentary. I have to check. I could be wrong. I think that might have been the guy I spoke to. Unless there's a completely separate documentary. And was Doyle filmed for the Legacy of Brutality documentary too? I believe so. Is this a live stream from us or a pre-recorded thing? Ha ha! This is pre-recorded. <laughs> I pre-recorded this. <laughs> no, you're lot you caught me live, baby. And we're exactly an hour in. So <laughs> I love this. This is live. Sack. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, listen, we're exactly an hour in. I'm going to read this, guys, okay? And I'm not going to look at the comments. Please don't get mad. And then we'll we'll talk about it afterwards. And if you have any questions about what I'm reading that you want to, like, talk about, sorry, Jacob. I knew your name was Jacob. I, I, I remember that. You said your name was Jacob last time. Yes, it is evil live. If you guys have any questions or like but want to bookmark something, if you guys want to bookmark anything, just like put it in the chat and then we'll come back to it, okay? So I'm going to ignore you now. Love you all. Thank you so much for being here. Please, if you're just joining us for the first time, please like, share. Most importantly, subscribe to the show. Join the Patreon I know I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I always be plugging, motherfuckers! All right. It's time. An hour in. An hour in means it's Kratom? Kratom? I don't even know what that is.
Okay, stuck in Lodi. So as you can see, this is from Pitchfork. And it is friggin' like, it's from 2005. So it's kind of like an archived article at this point. All right, I'm not looking at you guys. I'm not looking at you guys. I'm ignoring the comments now. Do not be upset with me. Just comment on anything you want later. <clears throat> Let us begin. Long before I knew what nostalgia meant, I knew that not a whole lot had changed over the decades since my parents grew up in Lodi, New Jersey. Every, even now, there remain 1950s coffee counters like Cardi's Sugar Bowl, and you can get a good piece of fresh mozzarella from Mike Vincentelli's Deli. Even now, there remain 1950s coffee counters like Cardi's Sugar Bowl, and you can get a good piece, and you can get a good piece of fresh mozzarella from Mike Vincentini's Deli. A statue of Christopher Columbus overlooks Main Street, anchoring Lodi's proud Italian roots. Life there is still a lot like life in the old neighborhoods my grandparents grew up in. Not only do you know everyone, you're most likely related too. If you're born in Lodi, you tend to live there all your life. You live at home until you're married and then move into the house down the block. It's not a bad place to grow up. It's safe and clean, and you have your entire neighborhood keeping an eye on you. On the other hand, you have in your on the other hand, you have your entire neighborhood keeping an eye on you. Action-wise, it's no New York City, the metropolis that taunts Lodi from across the Hudson River. Glenn Danzig grew up in Lodi, raised on Elvis and his dad's 1950s pop collection. As he got older, he turned to Black Sabbath, but by 1976, the Ramones had crashed onto the New York scene. Glenn took aspects of their sound, shed the cool vibe, and set the music firmly in the millennium of suburban alienation, speaking in a language every pissed-off kid in middle America might understand. His obsessions with horror and sci-fi genre films permeated his lyrics, and just as importantly, his image, placing his music in an entirely unique context. New York punk was just punk, simple and static. When Glenn started The Misfits, he mutated the punk sound and image into something darker and more sinister. A punk metal hybrid that later found bloom in the quiet, boring suburbs of Oslo and the boggy backwaters surrounding Tampa. Punk belonged to the media celebrity hubs of London and New York. Ghoul rock was for the kids in the suburbs where nothing ever happens. You think you're a zombie, you think it's a scene. I was 12 and cleaning out my grandmother's Lodi garage when I found an original pressing of the Misfits Walk Among Us. Whose copy was it? I may never know. But it was though fate had placed its alien nightmare art and the title's grim invitation into my eager hands. 
Just a week earlier, I had bought Danzig's second album, Lucifuge. Inspired by an ad in Circus Magazine featuring a shadowy and muscular Glenn Danzig wearing an upside-down cross around his neck. Inspired... Just a week earlier, I had bought Danzig's second album, Lucifuge. Inspired by an ad in Circus Magazine featuring a shadowy and muscular Glenn Danzig wearing an upside-down cross around his neck. It was the most visually intense thing I had ever seen. The ad might have come across... mm, The ad might have come across as laughable gay camp, but it didn't. It was pure black menace. It worked. Steve Zing is one of Punk's great drummers and would later join... Steve Zing is one of Punk's great drummers and would later join Glenn in Sam Hain. My bedroom was all black. I'd have black paper on the windows so light couldn't get in, recalls Steve. Drumming on the dashboard with one hand and steering with the other through a narrow... My bedroom was all my bedroom was all black. I'd have black paper on the window so light couldn't get in, recalls Steve, drumming on the dashboard with one hand, steering with the other through narrow streets in the old neighborhood. We're seeing all the sights today. Let's drive by Glenn's house, maybe his mom's home, says Steve. Steve was a few years younger than Glenn, but got into the same music around the same time. He went to school with Doyle, Jer- uh, he went to school with Doyle, Jerry Only's younger brother, who would eventually join Jerry and Glenn in the Misfits. Everyone lived within four blocks of each other. In the years before Doyle joined the band, he and Steve knew that a seat atop. Blah, blah, this is so hard. <laughs> I suck. I suck. I suck. Sorry. Um, in the years before Danzig, uh, uh, in the years before Doyle joined the band, he and Steve knew that a seat atop an adjoining roof was the best place to listen. Uh, oh my God. In the years before Doyle joined the band, in the years before Doyle joined the band, He and Steve knew that a seat atop an adjoining roof was the best place to listen in on Misfits rehearsals. Jerry got a bass for Christmas a month or two before joining Glenn and was learning as he went. They couldn't play for shit, but musicianship was never the point. It was about seizing control. It was about creating something evil. It was about making people afraid. Mike Morantz, formerly of Lodi Band Active Ingredients, remembers. Yeah, that was a strange time because it wasn't the only change in music happening. It was a change in state of mind. To me, as far as the town itself, it was like I was here physically, not mentally. Wrapped up in the change, the transition, uh, wrapped up in the change, the transition of the music and also kind of stick in with the same friends. We weren't too much. Mm. And also kind of sticking together with the same friends. 
we weren't too much of an acquaintance people. At the time, Pop Radio was Boston, Fleetwood Mac, Air Supply, Meatloaf. The Misfits were the willful antithesis of everything on the airwaves. They inhabited a violent world. Walk among scenes of zombie apocalypse, murdered classmates who teased and made fun. The Misfits were ahead of their time, and they had to open doors themselves as well as build some. Their first records were only available in New York City at Bleaker Bob's and Sounds, and in Hackensack, New Jersey at the Record King, an oldies record store where Steve Zing bought his first Misfits album. I remember Doyle coming into high school with cases of Night of the Living Dead records and just giving them away for free, Zing remembers. Everyone hung out in New York City on St. Mark's or 7th and A, but they lived in Lodi. And in Lodi, it was the pizza joint down the street, Sunday morning horror movies on TV, and hanging out in your friend's basement. And hanging out in your friend's basement. Glenn was a ringleader of sorts for the local disenchanted teens. He was the first punk he was the first punk presence in Lodi and everyone wanted to be around him. Steve Zing. Glenn was very charismatic and the misfits were very different than what was going on at the time. As a band, they had a style and sound that nobody else had. Glenn's understanding of fear and intimidation put him at the forefront of the movement. Though he was of slight stature, his band was giant muscled uh, Though he was of slight stature, his band was a giant muscled black squadron. Both Jerry and Doyle were varsity football players. Their black devil locks and gruesome ghoul paint didn't exactly scare the townsfolk shitless. They knew Glenn and company as good kids from the neighborhood. They knew their parents. They knew their parents. When they saw Jerry carving up his guitars on the front lawn with a power saw to make them look more gothic, the reaction was more amusing. The, the reaction was more amusement than terror. When they saw Jerry carving up his guitars on the front lawn with a power saw to make them look more gothic, the reaction was more amusement than terror. They didn't even mind that they could hear the misfits rehearsing from blocks away. Glenn was doing things that were pretty much unheard of at that time. He ran blank records out of his home in Lodi in 1977, releasing the first Misfits 45, Cough Cool. Mercury Records created a sub-label called Blank Records the following year, but Glenn had been smart enough to trademark the name. In the end, he let Mercury have the name in return for 30 hours of studio time, which Glenn used to record the Misfits Static Age album. Glenn and legendarily bad horror... Glenn and legendarily bad B-horror-a-tour Ed Wood... Glenn and legendarily bad B-horror-a-tour Ed Wood gave the label a new name. Plan 9. Aside from a few random shows at Al's Bar in Hitsville, the Misfits rarely performed around Lodi. 
This was before Basement and American Legion shows, and most venues hadn't yet figured out what to do with bands like the Misfits, who opened shows by busting out of onstage coffins. It wouldn't be until around 1982 that the hardcore scene really hit the Northeast and more local opportunities started to open up. But touring and a slew of 45s had earned them but touring and a slew of 45s had earned them the hardcore community's respect, even fear. Steve Zing. Not a lot of people talk shit about them. Ooh, hold on, I gotta take a drink break. Ah. <clears throat> In Underground Lodi, the Misfits' influence was rampant. Prior to joining Sam Hain in 1984 and later Danzig in 1988, Steve Zing classmate Erie Vaughn had a death rock band called Rosemary's Babies. Erie was also known for documenting the Misfits as their photographer. Mike Morantz, an original Misfits guitarist, Franche Coma, had active ingredients. One of the scene's more avant-garde acts... There was Bobby Steele's Undead. Then there were the Victims, the only other band to have an album on Plan 9. And of course, there was Steve Zing's own Morning Noise. I singled out the kids who are mean to me. As Steve and I drive past his old middle school, I'm reminded of another Plan 9, the Misfits cover band I started in eighth grade. We played two gigs. One at a school assembly where Mommy Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight got us into considerable trouble. And one uh, uh, and one in Washington, D.C. during an eighth grade class trip. Our principal wasn't real bright and allowed us to take our gear on the bus and perform for our class in the hotel banquet hall. The front desk was instantly overwhelmed by complaints. A preppy girl classmate asked me why I sang, I want your skull. My reply, because I do. <laughs> in present day Lodi, a stop at a local watering hole. In present day... In present Sorry. This is what happens when you literally are watching me read voiceovers. This is how I do voiceover stuff. In present-day uh, present Lodi, a stop at a local watering hole affords a chance to... Uh, ah! In present-day Lodi, a stop at a local watering hole affords a chance meeting with Stephen Doyle's middle school science teacher, Mr. P, who just happened to be there, is only too happy to recall their legendary 8th grade graduation ceremony. I was informed by the vice principal of the middle school. Uh, I was informed by the vice principal of the middle school that Doyle would not be allowed to participate because of how he was dressed. Doyle and his brothers came dressed in black suits, narrow ties, peg pants, pointy shoes, very strange looking. One had blue hair. Rumor was that he was with Sid Vicious the night Sid killed himself or killed a girl. Doyle followed the procession of students on the stage. His hair was pink and he wore a lime green suit 
with a narrow tie and black boots. So he was dressed like a watermelon. <laughs> the principal ordered the teachers to get him off the stage, but his massive entourage clad in leather and spikes and looking to make a scene intimidated them. Now the brothers are getting up out of their chairs and lining the sides of the auditorium. There's maybe two or three of them. So I figure, fuck this shit, you know? So as they name the students, they skip his name. Doyle sits at the edge of the stage and starts giving the principal of the schools, the superintendent of the... <laughs> the super... <laughs> I'm just imagining this. Imagine this image right now. Sorry, I'm interrupting my own voiceover because this is so funny. Because I got the full picture now. You have them in intimidating them on the stage. And then you have Doyle is dressed like a watermelon. He's got pink hair and he's got a lime green suit. <laughs> and he's sitting on the end of the stage giving the finger. <laughs> so as they name the name, uh, so as they name the students, they skip his name. Doyle sits on the edge of the stage and starts giving the principal of schools, the superintendent of schools, and some other dignitaries up there the finger and tells them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. Ugh. At this point, the brothers start running around the joint inciting the crowd and mayhem ensues. Doyle was popular with the student body who began rioting in his favor. As things reached their inevitable boiling point, the vice principal rose up and walked over to hand Doyle his The vice principal rose up and walked over to hand Doyle his diploma. Doyle tore it up, flipped off the VP, and again asked everyone to go fuck themselves before walking off the stage. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. That is just the best. Broken bodies in a death rock dance hall. I wouldn't say that the misfits were visionaries, but I would say that Glenn was a visionary, explains Babaleka, owner of Real Platinum Studio in Law. I wouldn't say the misfits were visionaries, but I would say that Glenn was a visionary. I wouldn't say that the misfits were visionaries, but I would say that Glenn was a visionary, explains Babaleka, owner of Real Platinum Studios in Lodi. There were really no bands at that level that were playing and putting out records on a regular basis. He marketed his music well. Who would have thought back in the early 80s to hook up with a skateboard magazine and put the Misfits logo on a skateboard deck? Plus, he was always on the road with the band playing every place he could think of. He was selling his records through magazine ads. Babaleka still runs the studio, which in 1980 was one of the few 24-track recording facilities in New Jersey. Real Platinum was far more affordable than its Manhattan competitors, so nearly every Lodi punk band, including the Misfits and Sam Hain, recorded there. Even some of Glenn's later work, like his Wagnerian epic Black Aria, saw time at Real Platinum with Aleka, who was also working with the de who was also working with the then unknown Christina Aguilera.
Glenn, <clears throat> Glenn always had something going on and was always moving along. He was always moving up a little notch, a little notch, a little notch, and he never let anything get him down. He was always positive. He was a professional. He had a head for business, Aleka recalls. Glenn's professionalism might have also contributed to the Misfits split. They were never able to tour as much as Glenn wanted, and ugh, they were never able to tour as much as Glenn wanted, as Jerry and Doyle worked for their dad. They couldn't keep drummers. Their live shows were visually stunning, but sucked musically. They were never in tune. They'd smash their instruments eight measures into a set. Jerry played basses that he demolished and then glued back together the night before. Their energy and brutality was inspiring, but Glenn knew the songs themselves were being ruined on stage. As the band was beginning to get national attention, they were falling apart. By 1983, Glenn had discovered more gothic. By 1983, Glenn had discovered the more gothic sounds of Bauhaus, Birthday Party, and Alien Sex Fiend, while Jerry was digging Iron Maiden, and his interest in the occult had peaked. The dawn of Sam Hain made space for new sounds and ideas, as well as a level of musicianship that the Misfits would never attain. Glenn stayed in Lodi through Sam Hain's lifespan all the way through 1992 and the release of Danzig's Lucifuge. In fact, most of Misfits Sam Hain Danzig alumni remain in and around Lodi. The punk venues they played, um, the punk venues they played in, <laughs> the punk venues they played began serving breakfast long ago or simply disappeared altogether. If you're going to scream, scream with me. Moments like this never last. When I was 14, I befriended. <clears throat> this is cool. This is a cool part. When I was about 14, I befriended Glenn Danzig's dad. He had me over to the house and showed me the hearse Glenn bought at 17, now relegated to cinder blocks in the backyard. He even offered it to me. He gave me a stack of misfit skateboard decks which had been sitting under his deck in unopened boxes. At 15, Steve and I saw a Danzig show in Red Bank, New Jersey. It was one of their last performances before John Christ and Erie left the band. We hung out with Glenn, and it was probably the best night of my life. We hung out with Glenn, and it was probably the best night of my life. Later that same night, Jerry and Doyle showed up at Glenn's hotel asking him to mm. Later that same night, Glenn and uh, Later that same night, Jerry and Doyle showed up at Glenn's hotel asking him to rejoin the Misfits. They were escorted out by security. I would see the Misfits reunion the following year at the Stone Pony on the eve of my SATs. It was a blast, but without Glenn, it just wasn't the Misfits. So what about Lodi made it a Petri dish for ghoulish punk rock? Why do kids still make pilgrimages to Lodi just to pour over the Misfits' old tax records and yearbooks in the public library? Oh, shout out to friggin' Russell Casualty!
<laughs> um, what was in the water in Lodi in the late 70s that caused kids to take up instruments and frighten people? Some credit Glenn with creating a movement. Some deny that there was ever a movement at all. Some, like Bob Aleka, chalk it up to coincidence. Steve Zing offers a more nostalgic perspective. It was more the fact that at the age we were, we were stuck in Lodi. Glenn lived at home. I lived at home. The misfits were what I looked up to. Francesca considers... <clears throat> Francesca considers it simply a natural progression of adolescent routine. We'd hang out. If you had a job, you'd go to work. Then you'd practice. You'd go to clubs. You'd go to concerts. Mike Morantz. I think probably a lot of the nostalgia is in our minds. You can see it a lot of different ways. You can see it as a kid brought up in Lodi that had a twisted view. Uh, you could see it as a kid brought up in Lodi that had a twisted view of things. Uh. It's truly impossible to tell if it was a coincidence or if timing was everything. It's something Steve. Mm, it's something Steve claims can't be described. It can only be felt and understood by the folks that were there. It's truly impossible to tell if it was a coincidence or if timing was everything. It's something that Steve claims can't be described. It's something that Steve claims can't be described. It can only be felt and understood by the folks that were there. Not only the fans from Lodi, but those that got to see them perform throughout this country. It's almost a shame that the Misfits never really got bigger than what they were when they were together, says Steve. It wasn't as, um, it wasn't as big a scene. Mm, it wasn't as big a scene as people think there was. But for maybe the few thousand that felt it, you had to be there. And to this day, anytime I see a kid with his hair in his face, that's Glenn. He said it himself. Moments like this never last. Only the stories live on. Like former Misfits guitarist Bobby Steele throwing up on John Lennon's shoes during a show at New York's Mud Club. Or Glenn getting locked up in a London prison cell after fighting with skinheads during a botched UK tour with the Damned. Or the Misfits getting banned from Max's Kansas City after a glass thrown from the stage injured an audience member. Every tale carries the personal trademark of the person telling it. And each ensures the Misfits' transcendence of their own death rock icon status. The Misfits were nothing less than an undead urban legend. I spent Super Bowl Sunday at the Lodi Moose Lounge. My dad was tending bar, and I got to talk to my godfather about what I've been up to in New York. We drank scotch, and I had homemade peppers and eggs for the first time since I was a little kid. Around my third scotch, this guy I vaguely recognize approached me and says, your dad tells me you're doing an article about the misfits. Man, I got a story about them you wouldn't believe. Your dad tells me you're doing an article about the misfits. Man, I got a story you... Mm. Your dad tells me you're doing a story about an article... <clears throat> Your dad tells me you're doing an article about the misfits. Man, I got a story about them that you wouldn't believe. 
Hey, your dad tells me you're doing an article about the misfits. Man, I got a story about them that you wouldn't believe. John DeRosa is a musician and writer living in New York City. His main music project, Art Artica. Oh, that's what it is. It's Artica. Released its fourth full-length album, Bleeding Light, on Darla Records in March of 2005. DeRosa is currently working on a book proposal documenting a first-person history of Glenn Danzig, The Misfits, and Sam Hain. And he can be contacted at artica at AOL.com. Who knows if he still can. Um, oh, what's this? All right, there's another thing here. Bonus round. We're going for a bonus round, motherfuckers. Here's another thing. So this is Unholy Passion by Will Oldham. I don't know what this is from. This is just another story. But let's let's take a look. Let's give it a read, shall we? Unholy Passion by Will Oldham. I got to listening to The Misfits around the time Sam Hayden started. Mm. I got... Sorry. Ready. One, two, three. Unholy Passion by Will Oldham. I got to listening to the Misfits around the time that Sam Haynes started up. Many of us in Louisville were what is known. Uh, many of us in Louisville were what is known as rabid fans of both bands, and there wasn't a day, uh, and there wasn't a day went by that we didn't talk about the records about Glenn. Initium is a great record, unique. At one point, I put together a huge collage of images uh, pulled from school encyclopedias, voodoo and gargoyles, lots of blood and nastiness. I sent it to Glenn, along with a cow skull and $10, hoping against hope for something to come back. Well, not too long after, the mailman brought me a package from Lodi, and in it was a cough cool single and a beautiful pale yellow Sam Hain t-shirt. I think I saw the second show. I think I saw the second show Sam Hain played at Newport, Kentucky's Jockey Club. It was an amazing night. The first time I stayed up all night. Everyone in the band signed my yellow T-shirt. This was probably during the Unholy Passion trip. When the November Coming Fire trip came around, a Louisville band called Maurice was asked to open. The lead singer of Maurice wrote a memoir series called Little Fiend, which we read. We did all five episodes of Little Fiend right here on this channel. Seek them out. Eventually, they'll be turned into podcasts. Um, uh, this guy, Will, went along for the trip with Maurice taking pictures. So Maurice did a string of dates with Sam Hain. So Sam Hain, and that's the guy who eventually was in the band that was produced by Glenn Danzig called King Horse. His name is Sean Garrison. So Sam, Hain, so Sam Hain was Glenn, Erie, Damien, and London May with Rhodey Tom. We went to Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. I remember Detroit. The show was at Corey Rusk's place. At one point after soundcheck, there was a buzz that Glenn was upstairs with Corey and Tesco V, a jaw-dropping summit. London, I am pretty sure, was a vegetarian, and the others constantly ribbed him in Jersey Boy fashion. What is Jersey Boy fashion? It's breaking somebody's balls. Um, oh, and I, I don't know if Tennessee Joe is watching. Joe, if you're watching from Tennessee, 
See, what, what guys in New Jersey do is they like to rib each other by busting each other's balls. I know, I don't know, listen, I know you, you guys in Tennessee are very sensitive to this sort of thing, but it's very popular in New Jersey. I just thought I would, I would let you know, being that your name is Tennessee Joe. You spend a lot of time in Tennessee. Um, if you ever come to Jersey, let me know. I'll show you Bergen County. If you want, I'll take you on a tour of Lodi, Joe, if you ever come to Jersey. I'll, I'll show you a bunch of places, um, and I'll introduce you to the Taylor, Taylor Ham. <laughs> um, a jaw-jumping summit, right. They, they ribbed him in Jersey boy fashion, and they were probably really, the truth is, they were probably really mean to London for being a vegetarian. I could only imagine, I could only imagine what that was really like. When we would stop at Denny's, say, to eat, Glenn and Erie would tell London that there was some shrubbery outside. You know, I have read this before. I do remember reading this. Really idiotic stuff, but hilarious. Britt Walford played drums in Maurice, and he and I entertained Sam Hain with our impersonations of people with cerebral palsy. Eee, they got a big kick out of that. <laughs> High-minded all around we were. Yikes. <laughs> In Bloomington, something occurred that we were told was a remarkable event. Glenn drank some uh, Glenn drank some of a beer, maybe a whole beer. I remember sitting on a porch at a party after the show. Glenn had someone's acoustic guitar and he started to play the John Cougar song Small Town. Only he sang it like this. When I was born with no dick and I am a lesbian, he giggled, he giggled hysterically. The shows blew my mind every night. Death comes ripping, blood feast, and die, die, my darling. Thrown in with songs from th three Sam Hain records. Powerful, awesome. Always front and center we were, screaming, sweating, singing along with every song. The band was a united front. I had never seen such great songs played so fiercely just for the audience that was right there. I got to see Sam Hain tour a couple years ago. The set was brilliantly structured with a lineup and costume changes to reflect the evolution of Sam Hain. And with tension and joy, it was as great as it was in 1985 because Glenn had changed it and made it uh, as great as our memories would have had it. After the show, London reintroduced me to Glenn. Glenn stared at me blankly, then smiled and thanked me for coming. His voice was hoarse. He had a cold. He didn't remember me at all from 1985. I think about him all the time. Musician Will Oldham currently records as Bonnie Prince Billy. Oh, sorry. He records as Bonnie Prince Billy and is just... Uh, sorry, I really just suck. He currently records as Bonnie Prince Billy, what? This doesn't make any sense. Why can't I read? Everybody knows I can't read. In any case, there you have it, folks. So that first thing that I read, that first thing that I read will be turned into something for the Patreons. So if you're a Patreon, you'll see what that looks like on the other end, hopefully, if it turns out. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will be a mess, but... I'm going to do something really cool with Stuck in Lodi. I'm going to turn it into a, a video, basically, for the channel. And only the Patreons will be able to see it. And eventually, maybe the rest of you 
guys will be able to see it too. Um, but that's going to be a Patreon exclusive for sure, at least to start, maybe. Um, so make sure you check out the Patreon, join the Patreon, yada, yada, yada. Let's go to some of the comments here. Wow, it's only we're only 94 minutes in. Still got 39 people. This is great. This is great. I still have so much work to do after this broadcast. You have no idea. All right. So I'm going to go way back, way, way back. So it took me about 34 minutes to read all that stuff. Um, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Felipe was stuck in the bathroom watching this. What's the matter, Felipe? Were you what? You, you constipated or something? What, what are you stuck in the bathroom for? <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Kratom rules, kind of like a legal opiate you mix with juice and it makes you feel all loopy. Huh. Um, I've actually, Matthew says, I've actually been stuck in Lodi, California, outside an AA meeting. Nice, dude. Friggin' nice. That, the you know, keep coming back. It works if you work it. You know what I'm saying? Um, he was born in Massachusetts and lived in Revere. I believe his sister lives around my area, and he wanted to live here. And say, Are you talking about uh, John DeRosa? Is that who you mean? Have you ever noticed all the new Lucifuge bootleg represses can the OG artwork of Glenn's hairy chest? Now they just use some lame pic of the band, all photoshopped and stuff. Shit. Well, I'm sorry, man. I know how much, Jacob, I know how much you love Glenn's hairy chest. Right, I, I want a I want a pillow of Glenn's hairy chest. Lay my head down every night, comb the hairs, comb the hairs. Man, I've seen this register before. I've seen this register before. It's killer. I don't know what you mean. I prefer the chest color. Um, yeah, right, right. It's the Doors photo shoot for the first album, I believe. I prefer the Doors one. Chris says he prefers the Doors one for the Lucifuge album when it became harder to talk to Glenn as he had many guards working for him. Hmm. Very, very true. Very, very true. Glenn or Glenda, how about how about both? How about both? Uh Chris says I lived on the street in Hollywood where Edward passed, where his wife lived as he lost his place just prior. Huh. It's amazing. That is amazing. Chris says, Erie used to hang out at Glenn's pet place watching late night TV like Star Trek, etc. As I believe he had a very odd work schedule at a chemical factory during his Rosemary's Babies days. Interesting. Uh, did the Misfits ballad ask, did the Misfits truly have respect for those in the punk scene in the 80s? I know Necro's Black Flag, but what about Ramones? I mean, for sure the Ramones. Um, Jerry revered the Ramones and I'm sure Glenn did too. I don't know. The dead Kennedys had beef with the, the misfits and I don't know about the circle jerks. What's up, man? I'm sorry. I'm late to your comment. I hope you're well. Jazel Juarez. I think that's how you pronounce your name. Um, we would hang with the Necros. I mainly only hung with Glenn along with my buddy, George. 
And sometimes when they would play Boston, he would come visit. He loved the Boston scene because we were rowdy. That's awesome. Chris, tell me more about your life. Um, what, uh, did you, Chris, did you see the original Misfits Live? Let's hear about it, man. Um, hell yeah, because it's Misfits. It's because Misfits recognized Necros as probably the best hardcore bands from that time. Chris says, of course, Chuck Biscuits played in the Circle Jerks for quite a while after he left his short stint in Black Flag and his longtime band members in DOA. That's right. So that is the Circle Jerks connection. And the Misfits did play with the Circle Jerks for one show. They hopped on the show with uh, Adrenaline OD, uh, opened up for the Circle Jerks, and the Misfits borrowed their equipment and pl played on the AOD's equipment, and then Circle Jerks went on. So, um, Ballad says, what about the Dead Kennedys? I have a feeling they were too political to dig the Misfits. So, Jello and the Dead Kennedys, well, I don't know about the Dead Kennedys, but Jello was at the, was there the night that Doyle cracked a kid over the head with his guitar, El Cabong style. And he had words with, I don't know if, he, I think he had words with Glenn over it. So we've covered that incident. Yeah, I agree, man. I think Lodi should have a statue of the Misfits. <gasps> I just had an epiphany live on the air. Mark my words. We must get statues of the misfits erected in Lodi, New Jersey. I'm starting a petition as soon as I get off this chat. The misfits must have bronze statues in Lodi, New Jersey. What do you guys think? Ah, Rue agrees. Rue agrees. Although it is a bull, bullshit in, institution, I think the Misfits belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've, I think so too, man, for sure. And I think um, the Bad Brains should, and I think... Um, I think the Bad Brains should. I think the New York Dolls and the MC5 before anybody else should. You know? I think Glenn had a beef with Jello because of the dead Kennedys released a single called Halloween. Um, yeah, you might be right about that, but he also had a beef over Jello had a beef over the, the, um, what happened in San Francisco. That sounds precisely like something that would piss Danzig off. Hey, Eric, there's Eric. How much did you miss? You missed a bunch. It, this was, you came at nine fifty. Eric, you're only, what, like 90 minutes late, I think. Jazzle says, Jello never liked the Misfits. I heard him comment in an interview that he didn't much care for them or the Fiend image. Yeah. Is that with Nardwar, the human serviette or something like that? <laughs> um, Chris says, well, California, San Francisco had a huge beef with the Misfits after Joyle joined because of the... Flipper Flesh Eaters gig. That's the El Cabong incident. Yo, Chris knows his stuff, man. Chris, where? So what? Like, you need to qualify for us, buddy. Like, clearly you're 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 of the old guard. Like, just give a, give us a qualification of your 
You did a little bit already. Did you see the Misfits or Sam Hain live? Like, tell us, man. I just probably haven't gotten to your comments down below. I'm going. It's in Sacramento where I live, thus my name being Sac Peace Benefits. <laughs> I'm really stoked. I hope it actually happens. That talked about the aftershocks thing. AM asks, if Glenn fought skinheads, was he a Trump supporter for monetary purposes? I don't know. The only thing I've seen of Glenn supporting anybody is that he donated $666 to Bernie. Although some people have told me that that's very easy to forge. So maybe not. Um, yeah. Do you know that Nazis cope? What? I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. All right. All right. All right. I don't want. No, I'm not going to talk about all that stuff. Come on. Please. It's about about the message. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. We're not talking about that. I don't want I don't want to talk about that. Please. We've done so much political stuff with the Michael Graves stuff. We're done. I don't want to talk about it here. We're done. It's done for now. Elkbaum says, Danzig described himself as a political... Oh, come on. All right, all right. Come on, let's stop with it. Pusset did my buddies, the FU... Oh, you do the, the, the FUs. That's awesome. Uh, their debut, Kill for Christ, and also my buddies... Yeah, SSD control. So, you, so you're a dude, man. You're a dude from back in the day. That's awesome, man. I love... You know, every once in a while, we get someone from the time who was there, who actually could, like, talk about it. Like, you know, on show in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, Robbie. What was the fist, first Misfit song y'all learned to play on guitar? I don't know. All right. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, here's, okay, this is what I wanted to say. Yeah, I knew Glenn via writing and phone right around Walk Among Us was released, and they first played in Massachusetts, uh, Misfits, December 1982, First Cambridge Congressional Church, and you were there. Holy crap. Yo, Chris, friggin', uh, yo, hit me up via email. Let's have you, let's, let's talk, let's have you come on the show in the future. I'm putting my email in the comments. Shoot me a email because I'd love to hear your 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 experiences and per, and perspectives. It's friggin' awesome, man. We'll keep this show going forever, forever. <laughs> Do you see that, Chris Corkum? If you're interested in coming on the show and talking about your experiences seeing the Misfits live and Speaking with Glenn, <laughs> um, would love to have you on the show. Not going to do it tonight. We've already blown our wad tonight for that. We're, we're winding down here. Probably cap it at two hours like we always do. But please, please feel free to get in contact with me. Anybody, if any one of you want to email me, you can do it. Do so. Here. Oh, yeah, he says definitely. That's awesome, Chris. I, I'd lo love to have you on the show. We'll, we'll, we'll have a good time, man. You'll tell me we'll have a really good conversation. I promise. It's going to be really, really great. 
So just all you got to do, send an email here. And that goes for anybody that like, I've had some people reach out to me via email recently. My emails are backed up. I have to get to them. Uh, I'm backed up on a lot of messages, actually. So I apologize if I have not gotten back to anybody. Um, but if you do have questions for me or do want to contact me about anything, this is the email to do it at videobusinessmedia at gmail.com. Eric says, Eric, you emailed me a while ago. Did you really? I must have slipped through or gone to my spam. Uh, can you resend me the email that you emailed me, please? So that way I can see what it is. I'm, I'm sorry that that happened. Uh, sometimes things slip through the cracks. But please send me the email again or send me a new email with what you whatever you were saying. In any case, this is the best way to reach me. And because I already do spend so much time writing the way that I write, I may, depending on what you ask me, I may just read your comment when we do another fiend mail episode. I may just answer your message live on the air here. Why not? Um, another thing, please, if you have not already, please subscribe to the channel. You do so right now. That's the number one free way to support the channel. Again, I love and appreciate every one of you that monetarily support the creation of this art, like, like all of you. But even just a simple subscribe is really, really helpful to me. So please like this video, smash that subscriber button, give it a thumbs up and leave a comment if you please. Oh man, Curtis from Tang. That's another guy I'd like to interview. I got to talk to Curtis. Ballot says, Jeff, can you do another contest this time, but maybe not for Devilocks, considering some of us have receding hairlines, like do a cover of, you know, it's funny, Ballad. Do you know that that was not my first contest? My first contest, well, I asked people to friggin' do that. That's exactly what I asked, dude. I wanted people to cover Sam Hain songs. Uh, Sam Hain songs in the style of Earth AD or Earth AD songs in the style of Sam Hain. And John from Voice of Doom has actually accepted this challenge and they're they're cooking something up in the in the kitchen Right now, you know who else I think could do a great job? Robbie Bloodshed. I don't know if you're still here, Robbie. Oh, yeah, you are. Um, yeah, right. Robbie, you told me about that recently, about the Misfits and the Jabbers. Something like, oh, no, no. Misfits and uh, Jabbers and Sam Hain. It was. I, Robbie, you would kill. You would crush that, too. Doing trying to do one of those one of those things. M jam up. Oh. Well, one second here. Jerry and Doyle should hire Gigi Allen. <laughs> uh. But yeah, to answer your question, Ballad, that really was the plan and nobody did it. Nobody did it. But I am, I do have more ideas for contests, including another Devil Lock pageant. Um, the problem is nobody wants to take the time to record songs. I understand. It's like, hey, go shoot a short film just for my amusement on this stupid YouTube show. Like, I get it. Believe me, I get it. Chris says, you can see one shot of the show on the Misfits history here on YouTube called The Legacy of Horror Documentary. Wait, you can see one shot of the show on that Misfits history here on a YouTube 
called A Legacy of Horror Documentary. Ah, not I don't know about that one. Um <laughs> uh, let's yeah, I am dude. I am like so about this statue idea. That's the next project, guys. We're gonna get a fucking brass statue of the misfits erected in Lodi proper. Um, Robbie, let's get on that. We got <laughs> Robbie Bloodshed's gonna help me. I know he will. I know he'll he'll be about the cause. Just so you know the email you address show it just says dot com. Oh, I am so sorry. Uh and Chris, too, who I asked to get in contact with me. Video business media at gmail.com. Pardon me. There you go. That's how you get in contact with me. For real. And we have a sticker right here. Thank you so much. Ballad of the Broken, thank you for your support, buddy. Much appreciated. Please do another contest like the Devil Lock one you did earlier. Cover songs, Danzig-based artwork, best misfit story interaction. All right, you know what? You know what? You know what? Just because you've been such a supporter of the show and because you so passionately want to do this and need a contest to drive you to do it, we're fucking doing it. We're fucking doing it. All right. You want to? We'll do a we'll do a cover song contest. That's what we'll do. Although Danzig based artwork is pretty. No, oh man, let's do Danzig based artwork. That's gonna be the one. You listen. You picked it. I'm picking out of your ideas. Danzig based artwork. It is. That'll be more people will do that ballad. Truthfully. And here's a little extra for that. Uh Dude, thank you. Thank you for the support, and thank you. I appreciate it. I truly, I truly do appreciate it. I truly, truly do. So you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. We're going to do another contest, Danzig-based artwork, okay? I listen to my listeners, okay? There you go. Um, Chris, did you see my email? The the more recently updated email I just put in there? I hope you did. I really do want to talk to you. We do a lot of Sam Haynes stuff. Wait. As a matter of fact, he has my artwork, which is on the DYS Brotherhood re-release. DYS opened for Sam Hain. And on the inside gateful of the cover is done by Dickie Barrett, pre-Mighty Mighty Boston's. Whoa. Huh. You do a killer kerning, so I'd love to do some shit in the studio. I got my audio. I mean, Ballad, listen, if you do a cover of a Misfits or a De- Sam Hain Danzig song and you want to play it, send it to me. You can play I'll play it. I'll play it live on the show. Either way. Contest or not, if you do a cover, we'll we'll pimp it for you, okay? I appreciate your support, man. Truly. But I really like the idea of a Danzig artwork. That that'll be fun. We'll get a oh man. All right, all right, all right. Uh, get, get, give me a give me a little bit of time to cook cook that one up. But I like that idea a lot. What's up, Hercules? Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> um. Yeah, thank you for the support. Truly. My band, Nocturnals, do Misfits and Samhain songs as well. Wow. 
Yeah, so here is the email for this is for Chris. Uh, this is for anybody. Anybody wants to email me, but Chris, get in touch. It's gmail.com. So sorry. Yes, Dave Smalley was in DYS when they opened for Sam Hain. I was actually thinking of of recently doing WeBite in Static. That would be really cool. I would like to see that. If you go to my channel here under my screen, there's some stories about some stories and some live shows. That's awesome. But Chris, I want you to come on my show and talk about your experiences. Uh, listen, just I, I just want to say, look, I appreciate all of the monetary support. It's freaking great. No matter what, just being here and participating is fucking great, too. Like, I'm just I'm glad you guys are here. You guys rule. All right, you emailed me. Please, please wait for <laughs> five to ten weeks of processing because I suck with correspondence. <laughs> no, I'll I'll get to it at some point. I, I when I get back to the bottom of the top of the email pile. Um, uh, dude, I think a I think an art contest would be a lot of fun. I'm just thinking of all of like, you know, various like levels of like artistic capability, like attempting to execute stuff like it would be a lot of fun. We'll do the same thing. I'll get my my guest panel of judges. We'll get some judges up in this piece and we'll do it. It'll be really funny. A misfit statue in Lodi has to happen. Smack dab by the bird. Yeah, dude. John voice of doom. We're going to do this. It's going to happen. You guys. I'll make a video for it. I'll make a whole video about this. We're, we're going to do this. I'm starting a campaign. I'm starting a campaign. Let me tell you something. I'm going to start work on this as soon as I finish this deadline project that I actually have to really work on right now. If I do artwork and put it on Facebook, it's under Tony Seacrest. No, you're going to have to email me the artwork. I am not certain. Paul, I love you, buddy. I appreciate all your viewer support. You got to email me. Everybody who wants to be a part of this contest will email it to me. I can't. I can't do that. that that's too much craziness. Too much, too much uh, chaos. Um, if they take down the Columbus statue in Lodi, they need to replace it with Lodi's best Italians. And <laughs> Dude, see, there you go. They could put it over the Columbus statue and it will be. That no, everybody will, uh, will 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 still be happy that there are some Italians in Lodi. You know, I man, Mike, I love that you like the Pixies, and we're gonna do the. We're gonna talk about some Pixies. I promise. I promise. Blood feast in the style of Sam Hain would be cool. It's one of my favorites on Earth AD. Well, Mark, how about this? Did you know that there that there is a live bootleg recording of Blood Feast in Sam Hain? But it really just sounds like the Blood Feast from Earth AD. But it does exist. Uh, Javis wants it too. He wants the Pixie Show. Okay, uh, guys, just for you two, I'm gonna be. I'm, next video I'm gonna drop is the Pixies, the embarrassing Joey Santiago Pixie story. Um, actually, DYS opened for the first Misfits show here in Matt. Oh, I did not know that. The FUs. I went to school. This guy's done everything, man. Recently recorded, uh, Robbie recently recorded a Sam Hain track with a former misfit this week. Ooh, I wonder what that could be and who it's with. Ooh. Um, 
I'm going to make a video on the statue. It's going to be a call to arms. I'm so fucking serious about this. I'm, you know how serious I am about this? I'm taking out my production camera. This is how serious I am about this. I'm busting out the black magic cinema camera to make this video. I'm not going to use my cell phone. I'm not going to use a webcam. We're going to use the big guns. I know it looks very small, but it's it's a it's a small camera that comes that does that does good stuff in a big package. That is what we're going to do. Um uh, let me see here. Whew. Thank you for taking consideration. I think I think these little projects, statue and contest art, will grow your channel. Allow, yeah, I agree, man. And will allow for fan interaction. So many artists will join in with many. Yeah, man. I, You know, I think the artwork idea is actually, it's going to be, it could create, raise a lot of good awareness for the channel. Dude, it's a good idea. And you know what? Honestly, we're doing it. That That's going to be the other thing. So we're going to do the statue. Wow, this was such a productive episode, you guys. The statue, uh, Danzig Art Contest. And um, and I'm going to record that shit in, with my, with my high-end camera. Glenn Danzig looks like he would smell like shitty incense. <laughs> Misfits history here on YouTube. The picture 2157 is a timestamp for the picture, okay? Um Hey. Oh yeah, for Robbie. Yes, for Robbie. That's awesome. So Robbie, this guy uh, Javis wants to check out your art your your work, man. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm all for it too. I I think it would be great. I truly think it's great uh, to replace that statue with a misfit statue. Uh, some some uh, an uh, so that Italian pride can still shine without some of that history that's connected to Columbus. I think that's a phenomenal trade off. Right? That's it. We're doing it. A you heard it here first. You guys witnessed this. A statue in Lodi, New Jersey. I can't take credit for the idea. Somebody else had it in the comments, but like I'm, I'm going to take this project on. We are going to make this friggin' happen. Truly, truly, truly. Uh, Peter really enjoyed the Samhain Unholy Passion reaction video made. If that's true, Peter, you have to check out. It's not available yet. It's only for Patreons, but it's eventually. Uh, in a, in less than 30 days, the Final Descent listening video is going to drop. The Final Descent listening video is an hour long, and it's the extended version of Final Descent, which includes the Unholy Passion tracks as well as the re-release tracks. So it's about an hour, because the first 15 minutes is history about um, Sam Haynes' Unholy Passion and the context, yada, yada, yada. Um, there was, yes, I read, I remember that there was a rumor that Danzig recorded blood feast during the Danzig six recording sessions and nobody has ever seen it. And it's a real shame. Uh Oh, look who we have in the comments. You guys, Steve, Steve, I'm not even kidding. 
we're getting a statue of the friggin' Misfits. It's going up in Lodi. I'm taking this project on. You just wait and see. It's going to be the most amazing thing. And I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to be, I'm going to start a petition. We're going to get signatures and we're going to get a statue of the Misfits in Lodi. It's going to be friggin' awesome. Awesome. I don't know where, where, where should it go? Should it go like right next to Hank's Frank's or perhaps maybe, maybe like a roundabout that like splits for route 46 in half, you know, I don't know. I think it would be good. I think it'd be really good. Question. Will it be Glenn Doyle and Jerry and which drummer will it be? I, here's what I think. I think it'll be Glenn Jerry and Doyle, and then it will be the Crimson Ghost over them, like looming down. You know what I'm saying? That's probably the best, the best way to do it. Um, yeah. I wish Chuck Biscuits played on the, all the Final Descent tracks. Hear me talk about that a little bit on the Final Descent thing. Chris says hi, Steve. We should have a statue of me. <laughs> Come on. Stop being, so, stop trying. What, what are you, what are you trying to like, like uh, make me feel all tingly for that, that? That's such a, what a nice, what a nice, like, what a nice thing to say, you know, what, a, what truly, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm touched. I'm touched. Um, it was me here in Austin. We had a Willie Nelson and Stevie Ray Vaughan statue. So why not? Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, we need to get a misfit statue in Lodi. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Instead of Columbus Day, Jersey can celebrate Ghoul's Night Out, and it's on Halloween Part 2. Steve Zing says just Glenn. Oh, come on, Steve. It's got to be the it's got to be Glenn flanked by the Twins of Evil. Okay, it's gotta it's gotta work that way, you know. Um, when are you doing another roundtable movie review video again? Enjoyed that show. I'm so glad you dug it, Paul. Freaking um, yeah. I'm gonna. I just haven't had the time, man. I haven't had the time. Gotta gotta make it happen. Yes, that is Steve. The ah Steve, the best Sam Hain drummer. You know, Steve, we were I, we were talking. I was talking the other day. We were talking about um, we were talking about the drumming on what was it? I think it was Unholy Passion, and how it just must have been not easy drumming. Statue should be at the high school or Lodi Pizzeria. I agree, Lodi Pizza or the high school. Um. Yes, I am. 150%. And you gotta you gotta um give me directions and what time? I, my wife works till one. It's got can we do it's gotta be the afternoon. It's gotta be the afternoon. Last time I saw Steve was the Hampton Beach show. Which era? Glenn, are they going to do Static Age Glenn, Walk Among Us Glenn, Dog Mask, <laughs> Dog Mask Glenn, Leather Shirt, Danzig 5 Glenn. 
I would say I would say um horror business Glenn with like a Harlock shirt, right? We need someone to design the statue. Who's going to design it? Like we need to get someone of note. There's so many artists that would throw down for that, you know. Yeah, it would that's exactly what it would be. Steve should be the new drummer for the Misfit. I listen, I said the same thing when they were doing that when they first started the reunion. When they first started the reunion, Steve could have handled it. He could have done the Earth AD stuff just fine. He would have handled the Static Age stuff just fine. Steve Zing, Steve, they want to know what's going on with Black 29. The um, Rue's wife will not stop asking. Initium. Steve, we read that article from John DeRosa, who you know personally. Great article. It's a shame that his book never came out. Truly. When is Glenn's new film coming out? It's coming. Ballad says, Steve... Zing, you are the fucking man. Thank you for the content. Love your solo solo projects too. Six-ish. Actually, Steve, six would be great. Be yes, I think six is the way to go. Yes. Text me your address. Um, Glenn is more... Than Jerry and Joel. Of course he is, but you need to have gargoyles. <laughs> you need your gargoyles to surround Glenn. You know what I mean? Like, it can't just be that. Q, how about a complete Misfits guitar tab and bass songbook? That'd be cool. Um, Steve says that the Black 29 album coming out on Cleopatra in August or September. You can also, the Cleopatra also reissued Morning Noise. So you got Morning Noise is coming out, uh, or already came out. I think it actually, the vinyl sold out. It's still available on CD. I agree. More Sam Hain. More Sam Hain. Steve, what, can you tell Glenn to freaking repress the Sam Hain vinyl? We're all goddamn waiting. Tell Glenn that he can fight the bootleggers by putting out the official vinyl. Everybody wants to support the official artist. Mark says that you rule, Steve. We also need an updated Samhain box set. I agree. I agree. Thanks for the update, Steve. You have no idea how lucky you are that you've been able to pick the brains of these punk legends. My head would implode. Ugh. I mean, I, I feel very lucky. And I'm very glad that I've gotten to meet and, and make friends and talk with, you know, all the people that I have and, and stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's good stuff. But listen, guys, I got to get back to this job that I'm on. I'm on a job, if you could believe it. I stopped doing the job because I wanted to do a, this show tonight. This was a really freaking great show. I really, truly enjoyed this. Um... Again, check out the Patreon. Make sure you subscribe. Keep your eyes peeled for all the stuff we talked about in this episode. This is not empty pillow promises, you guys. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Uh, good. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. There's like a thousand comments just popped up that were important. Uh, this that Jerry should wear a Sam Hain T-shirt. Uh, this is interesting. Steve says it's not so easy to re-release the Sam Hain stuff due to some bullshit. <laughs> there you go. There's your answer. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna screenshot this for everybody who's always asking. There you go. Right there. Um, yeah, this is important. This is what I wanted to remember. Bobby Steele interview this Sunday on Drew Stone's The New York Hardcore Chronicles. That's something Steve was on, actually, as well. Um, yes, please. We need those Sam Hain records in our lives. I wish. Uh, Steve says, take, take care, fiends. And Steve says he will tell me on Sunday. Ooh, we're going to find out. We're going to find out answers on Sunday, people. Does Erie Vaughn still talk to Glenn? Bye. Bye, everybody. Okay. We got to go. Make sure to subscribe. Peace and hair grease. Peace and hair grease. All right. We're out. Make it for Make it for